fight and we don't have to kill everybody in the whole wide world really just needs to chill no we don't have to fuss no 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 we don't have to fight hello welcome back to just chill with oliver george this is episode 14 and i just want to say before we get started here please subscribe if you haven't already and if you have thank you so much uh, share with your friends if you dig this show, because uh, we just want to keep the, the viewership growing. Uh, second of all, if you're listening on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts and you haven't checked out the YouTube version, then come see what we look like. Um, contact info if you want to get in touch with the show. It's just chillpodcasting at gmail.com. And time to bring in the guest here, uh, old friend. It's yep. kind of weird. This all just kind of worked out. But uh, Peter Andrew Lustig. You're going by Peter now too, right? Yeah, um, and your pronunciation of my last name was uh, impeccable, so I appreciate that. Oh, nice. That. <laughs> yeah, okay, sweet, sweet. Um, but you you adjusted your your first name is actually yeah. Piotr, I mean, right? I I've, I have a weird one because my first name on my passport is spelled with the Polish spelling, which is P I O T R. Yeah, and then my but my middle name is uh, Englishized, which is Andrew, like my official. You know, government name is Pete, Piotr Andrew Lustig, and then um, yeah, doesn't the Andrew kind of stands? Yeah, out there, it's yeah. kind of weird. So um, as soon as I uh, I left high school and I was introducing myself to uh, to new friends, is that my phone doing that? Uh, Shit, oh, I'm sorry. Is it your camera? Oh, uh, it's the camera here dying probably. Uh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> anyways, long story short, when I was introducing myself for the first time uh, to a bunch of new people when I moved away from uh, from Ottawa, I would just introduce myself as Peter. So. I kind of saved the explanation. Um, so when I see friends from high school, they still call me by my nickname, I guess, which is like a bastardized version of my real name, which yeah. is Piotr, <laughs> but they call me Piotr. Piotr, that's and, how I know uh, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, when I'm, uh, you know, to my friends that I made, you know, since moving away from Ottawa, it's always Peter, so. I should say, before we keep going on about your name, sort of <laughs> a little bit about you, you're a photographer slash artist, I would call you as well, just so people know, like, why you're here essentially to talk about uh, your craft well thank you yeah i am yeah, a photographer artist and um and thank you so much for having me on man i really appreciate it thank I, you for I watched, coming on uh, yeah i watched a couple episodes um and uh and i feel very honored to be here so thank you for taking thank you time. yeah your message when you uh you just told me that you dug the show actually really meant a lot Any, anytime you get positive feedback and you know people are watching and, and they give a shit it's always really refreshing we're doing this because we're having fun, but it's great to know that we're connecting with people too. Dude, I just I just love people that are doing stuff. You know, doesn't even not not that this is the case with you, but like I, even if it's something that I'm not into, but if I meet somebody and they're really passionate about indoor plants, I'm like, you know, okay, yeah, just being so, passionate about but, anything. Yeah, yeah. and it's just I just think just doing stuff goes so far because um, I try to force myself to you know lose myself in hobbies as much as possible because if you're just left there sort of twiddling your thumbs and watching Netflix. Um, it kind of doesn't lead to shit. So, uh, the well, fact and uh, sorry, I was just going to say, and that hobbies can, is a broad term. Like you could say watching sports is a hobby, but I would think go a step further and creating things really is, is so rewarding. It is so rewarding. And I, and, um, yeah, I want to honor that and thank you for being like, allowing me to be here. I think of it's course, really yeah. good. Yeah. No, I think you have a lot of really interesting things that you can share with our audience. So, uh, I'm excited to ask you about a lot of your work, but it is cool. Also just catching up that we both grew up in Beacon Hill represent the east end of uh, of ottawa mm-hmm. and uh, i actually have a memory from when i was in grade nine i guess and hanging out with the older kids and you would have been one of them where my parents were gone for like uh i don't know two weeks to some vacation to britain or whatever la, 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 la. 
la. Yeah. Well, we didn't like wreck the place, but we had uh, what what they call a Jamaican shower. I don't know if that's still a oh uh, a, like an a appropriate hot bo- a term. Hot box. Yeah, in the in the bathroom, you know, where you get the shower going and then you uh, smoke and, and it sticks to the. Yeah, air no, no, I that's uh, fuck, man. I, have I don't no, think my dad knew. No that. recollection of that. Um, probably not surprisingly, but I. So I guess I was. Uh, did we skip school and smoke weed in your? Yeah, parents, I'm in assuming your parents it was bathroom? like a lunch break. We're like, you know, we don't have to go back or some shit. Well, I appreciate the hospitality. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to bring it up honestly because I thought it was funny thinking about that today, and my my dad has no idea still. Thanks for hosting that. Yeah. Um. As for your photography, I, I told you this before we started, but uh, I had seen some of your stuff. I had followed some of your work through Facebook and whatever, as you do with uh, sort of following high school acquaintances and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But today, I tried to delve a little deeper and went to your website and just continue to be blown away by your work, man. It's uh, next level, just amazing, amazing photography. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, it means a lot. Well, and not just the quality of your work, but uh, the, the what would you call it? The, the themes and, and sort of the projects that you chose to work on. Each one was just like I was reading the little write-ups and getting sucked right in, and then the, I don't know. That's that's kind of what all my questions are about today. Just your work and, and the, the great stuff that you're doing. Well, thanks for taking the time to absorb all that, man. That's uh... it was hard to absorb it all because there's so much. <laughs> but uh, the the first one that I remember like years ago being aware of was your inter interchanges. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I'm gonna let you you kind of describe a lot of these. Oh uh, well. What the Interchanges series was all about, um, it was, um, t- you know, this is, I guess, started in like 2007, 2008, right around the time I had to kind of uh, get out of assisting as a photographer and trying to work professionally as a photographer. And I thought one thing that I was always captivated by since I was a kid, you know, flying into Pearson Airport in Toronto with my parents after vacation, just looking down at the highway and seeing sort of the intricate web of you know, different roads connecting to each other. And it, it looked like a, you know, futuristic spider web from space. You know, the, those, uh, those interchanges in Toronto, of, uh, you know, that connect the 401 to the other sort of arterial highways um, are some of the most intricate and the biggest ones in the world. And uh, I started a project shooting highway interchanges initially in Toronto. And then... Was this know, like you would go in helicopter? Uh, helicopters and small planes, yeah. And drones, did you use at all? Uh, no, this is sort of predates drones okay. by about you know seven, eight years, which or I, ma- I mainstream drone like yeah, well, I mean like affordable drones yeah. exactly, and, and and camera flying cameras essentially, mm. which is what they call drones. In well, I'm sure the military had them in the nineties, probably, <laughs> uh, probably not quite HD, but absolutely. But anyway, so I I, I shot the first stuff out of um, like Cessnas. Uh, with you know the the door off, which sounds scarier than it is. It's it's pretty standard in those uh, those types of aircraft. So it must have been a rush, though. Oh, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool. And, and you got to kind of um, take the plane into what's called a full oblique, which means that the you know the wings are basically perpendicular to the surface of the earth so you get a straight down perspective. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, so you're strapped in pretty tight. You're straight. Well, you just it's not really. It's it's a it's a seatbelt sort of like you see in a car. It's not like so the, like it doesn't pull you to the side. The G force or um, if you really wanted to jump out of the plane, it'd be pretty easy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but you're I mean you're strapped in with a seatbelt. Well, I'm just trying to imagine, especially if you're trying to take pictures on top of that, right? You you can't really be holding on or or bracing yourself. If no, you're trying to... I mean you're to be honest too. Like it's pretty terrifying, but from my experience doing a lot of these now um you're pretty locked in on what you're doing mm. and you're sort of watching the image sort of compose itself and you know you're waiting and you click 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 and 
in that time, you almost uh, lose yourself in what you're seeing through the viewfinder, and you're not so focused on the fact that you're, you know, suspended 2,000 feet the above the highway. Takes a whole yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that series was, you know, really f was the foundation of my career because at the time, of course, I'm not the first person to take photographs of highway interchanges, nor will I be the last. There's those images, especially with the advent of drones, are more and more ubiquitous now. Yeah. But at the time, I think it was the first sort of assembly of, uh, you know, high resolution, high quality images of that subject. And, uh, well, they're amazing shots. Yeah. Thank you. And what you had said about, uh, I had written that down when you mentioned the arteries and the veins mm -hmm. of the city. I thought that was a really cool sort of analogy. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to ignore that analogy, you know, just by looking at it, you know, just the, the movement, the traffic, you know, being the blood cells and the, yeah. and the, and the roadways you being the arteries. You cut them off and the lifeline basically stops. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, and it was a neat project, too, because, you know, I'd be say in Phoenix or in, uh, in London with, on an unrelated assignment or an unrelated project. And I'd, I'd literally just take time, uh, you know, I, in the evening at the, at the hotel, kind of like looking on Google maps and being like, Oh my God, there's some really great ones here. And then I kind of learned the process, which is not very complicated. It's That's like cool. local, you know, contact the local airport, like where there's a flight school, Yeah, get in touch with an instructor and book a time. And it's, and it was sort. It sort of became this. Um, you could like hunt down the ones you. Really yeah, it was want. a bit of a ritual. Whatever, whatever city or place or part of the world I found myself in, and That's to so this rad. day, that goes on. You know, like really? uh, there's hey, still there's still there's still some that I, I want to shoot. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I was always amazed when I saw the pictures that just the symmetry, and it, it kind of reminded me of crop circles almost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just uh, those those patterns that seem so infinite almost. Uh, and it's just a really cool project because it's something that you see every day, and with a slight shift, it's like a whole new whole new world you know we were used to seeing highways just like this very boring and you don't really see the grand picture yeah i mean i always i always say this when i talk about this project but like you know you're driving on the highway and it just looks like a series of bridges that you sort of ignore when you're driving and then yeah. you look at it from an aerial perspective and it's uh it's like a flower or yeah it's uh, a clover or whatever it's it's yeah. surreal it doesn't uh it looks like it came from out of space um, and, and you find uh probably still a lot of variety within that though for when sure you go from place to place um yeah and I, I think that um some of the new ones that they're building in china and stuff are uh you know some of the most intricate and largest ones in the world and they're new and they're different and i want you know not long ago before um you know, it sort of became maybe a little bit riskier to travel to China as a Canadian. Hmm. Um, there was talk about That's doing the Huawei a, stuff. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And there, there was talk about um, expanding this project into China. And uh, I actually had some stuff lined up. Um, a very good friend of mine who was an assistant of mine for a time is a, is a Chinese guy. And uh, we were talking with him and this German director who had a contact um, for uh, with a with a drone pilot in China that was going to work with us because unlike the rest of well most of the world where you can fly into a city like london or vancouver and uh you know find a heliport and and, and book a helicopter or a small plane for an hour. easily yeah yeah in china that's absolutely not the case you need like a bunch of uh, special permissions and... and even then it's actually not it's just challenging they just like helicopter tourism is in its infancy and extremely weird and hard to get permits for so we were going to do it with drones, um, and the way that they do it is they send up um, like a little guy, like a little drone that you could, you know, 
Scout whip. Scout whip. Yeah. You know, not hmm. high resolution. Uh, you know, closed system camera. Um, you tell them sort of, okay, that's what it, what it looks like. That's where I kind of want. And then they send up like the big boy octocopter with like the high resolution camera on top, mm. it, with a very minimal window within which you can get the image that you want. Wow. And uh, I I know this because I was uh, working with a German director who does like you know sort of really high end car commercials in the Asian market, and that's basically how he had amassed a lot of that aerial footage was exactly that way so but the, that's kind of out the window now until stuff calms down or yeah there's so much going on <laughs> over there right now oh man yeah i don't um, want to phone home and tell my parents i'm in a chinese prison because i was trying to take aerial photography of highways in china <laughs> yeah it might not be worth it at that point no um and I, I if i read this correctly on your website uh this was in national geographic some of these yeah they i, I mean again uh prior to the advent of high quality drones these images were uh far less uh omnipresent in the photosphere and uh yeah so they they got picked they picked up a lot of uh traction they were it was national, very innovative at the time i yeah. think so i mean they were in national geographic uh that right there is amazing just i'm like why is he on our show <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. it's not uh well i appreciate that but it, uh, it was a long time ago and uh they uh but they got picked up by apple as the screen saver for the uh the first generation iPad Pro, um, they got too. used for uh, the Audi brand catalog as like one of the spreads on the, I think twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen Audi brand catalog. So I got a lot of uh, amazing, dude. good traction out of them. Yeah, they've been shown in the states and stuff. I've had so yeah, it was uh, it's it's been a great project and it's it's never gonna stop. Like I'm gonna keep shooting that. That too. option's always gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. and like uh, when you were doing that. What places did you go besides? Uh, well, the Toronto. most recent one that I shot was in. Uh, Nagoya in Japan, oh, cool. which was a really cool experience. We flew out of a, uh, a Japanese Air Force base and, uh, in, in Nagoya. and uh, They were as strict as China or no? Oh, no, 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 no. They were super cool. And I don't know if you've ever been to Japan before. But no, it seems really like a cool place to it's go. The, it's the best. Like just looking around this room, you'd lose your mind. It's. I've never I, been that into uh, anime as much, though. I, it doesn't matter. I like some, but you got Mario. Yeah, yeah, that's you, true. You know, you got all this comic stuff. Like th they, they go crazy for it. I Even, love the vibe from Japan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's unlimited. They have consumerism down to a fucking science, um, more than anywhere else I've ever been. Like there's unlimited opportunity to buy cool stuff. And uh, I heard a, a lot of history. I can't remember what I watched, but it was about the history of Japan back in like feudal times or whatever. And the uh, art history there is pretty insane. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't know that much about it. Um, yeah, I'm not going to try and, and you know <laughs> reiterate what I had seen months ago. But I remember being really interested by it. And there was something about uh, a big art wave and a big movement there. This is a long, long time ago, though. Um, but yeah, so, I, I don't know so that much. when you go there, um, there's no Uber. But they have taxis, and when you when you take a taxi, it's a real be it's a really big deal. Like the guy will get out, open the door for you, oh. white gloves, <laughs> wow, and really taxi. polite. And even if they don't speak English, they try their ass off to make it the best experience possible. It's not a cheap thing to do, but it's not crazy expensive either. But it's like you know, you take a cab across town; it's going to cost you forty bucks. Like same as here, maybe a little cheaper. Hmm. Point is, when we were flying in the helicopter. Uh, the helicopter pilot had little white gloves that he was using to steer the helicopter, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. That definitely Sounds not the like case. James Bond role. Yeah. Or they don't do that when you're flying above uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy named Gus. Oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. 
Oh, man. Yeah, well, that sounds like just a super fun project to do. Yeah, it's been really cool, man. I got uh, got a lot of good experiences from that. Weird places in the States that you would probably never go, you know. Um, so yeah, because you're going there for the highways. For the highways, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, just even, you know, I remember just driving around on my own, you know, in a rental car in my late 20s. And, like, you know, now you're in Amarillo or, like, now you're in jacksonville or you know not that that those are places that weird but i'd never really find myself there otherwise probably no that's so cool just to get little bits of culture here Mm -hmm. and there as you go yeah Yeah. man okay well the second one of your uh sort of pieces or or whatever you call these themes or series series yeah yeah, that i uh do also remember seeing years ago was the uh what's the actual the point blank Mm -hmm. uh with the this is very up close shots of guns Mm -hmm. and sometimes like very tall too like five feet you would print them out yeah or eight feet some of them yeah again it's probably easier to you just explain it than me to try to oh yeah well uh, badly describe it point blank project was uh, a collaboration with uh myself and uh a really good uh buddy of mine who works in advertising um guy named Derek Blay and uh you know he came together with me and we sort of we found these uh these charcoal drawings by this artist named Robert Longo who actually directed a movie named uh Johnny Mnemonic remember my dad knows that flick I remember remember that movie so yeah so so he 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 directed that movie um and he was kind of this uh artist that came out of the uh New York 80s scene, and he does these beautiful, hyper-detailed uh, charcoal drawings of, of different stuff that is sort of really macho, and I really like, like, he did a series on uh, mushroom clouds, and what he would do is he'd project images onto uh, whatever, a paper or some kind of canvas, and then and then trace them with uh, with charcoal, and then the, the, the results are remarkable. They look almost as detailed as photographs until you walk, you know, stick your nose in it, and you realize that, no, this is actually... A drawing, yeah, wow. uh, and uh, and he did these charcoal drawings of of big guns, like shot exactly or drawn drawn exactly like I shot them, and in looking at them, because um, first I thought they were photographs, then I realized that they were drawings, and then when looking at them, I noticed that there was because he's actually tracing a projected photograph, there's a sharpness fall off. You could see sort of the part of the gun that the camera had been focused on was sharp and then the rest of the the gun would sort of fall off into uh being out of focus it's just the nature of the mechanics of the photography and Mm -hmm. i developed a system where i would stack the focus um so i I would focus on each sort of element of the of the gun each piece of the gun uh, and then cut it apart in uh in photoshop so each piece that was in focus i'd cut apart and then reassemble it to give that illusion that the depth of field was infinite. So I was sort of solving the problem that I guess whoever way back had shot the photographs that he then drew. And I then shot photographs in a way that took away that depth of field sharpness fall off issue. And that's sort of how that came about. Um, And that's why you get that sort of uh, hyper-realistic sort of illustrative look at the same time. So it kind of comes full circle because they look more illustrated because there is no sharpness fall off, even though they're photographs. That were influenced or in, you know directly inspired by, inspired by yeah. other by drawings that were of a photograph, um, and that's how that kind of came about. And uh, in the process of creating them, I sort of you know invented this uh, this technique or whatever, and uh, and then we sort of did the whole span of 
different handguns. We worked with this place called the Movie Armaments Group in Toronto, and they... Uh, oh, I just assumed it would be in the States. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was in Toronto. I actually have become friends with these guys, and they, they, they own a, um, a gun vault that rents all... It's like an armory, basically, and they rent all the guns for all the movies that are shot in Toronto. So yeah. if they do, like, a Robocop or the Hulk or... So they're all, like, prop guns? Like, they're real. They're oh. all real. You and just they, load them with blanks, I guess, right? You load them with blanks, yeah, exactly. But they have you know, 100% prohibited, like, military guns. They have sniper rifles, anti-aircraft guns. Crazy. This place is completely insane. And they're understandably super paranoid about any changes to the gun legislation in Canada because you could shut them down. Yeah. Um, but you can go in there, and there's thousands of different handguns to choose from. And they were really cool, and they let us, you know, for a very small fee, let us kind of go in there and just play and, like, experiment. And then, and then and again, this is almost 10 years ago now when we started this project but it's grown and then you know what's really cool is people will contact me and say listen i have this uh this gun that was given to me by my dad and i really want to you know so i'll I'll do like custom commissions for people and um and they yeah they've been displayed around the world and stuff and uh, yeah i I just wrote down a couple of them because it said you had something uh one of them appear in netflix somewhere mm -hmm. uh, on hemlock grove yeah yeah that's right um hemlock grove uh purchased uh, one for uh, set dressing in season one and it had a pretty like prominent um placement in yeah, the in the in the house it. of the main character i didn't really follow the the series that much but i've had um yeah, a lot a lot of people recognize the work from that show so that's awesome yeah and it also said that uh wired which i know my dad reads and yeah. uh, esquire yeah 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 so it's, a, it, and, and it's cool too because you know like it'll be like you know, Esquire or Ukraine will then pick it up, you know, because or, or, or uh, you know, it's, it's sort of it's cool because they work in obviously in every language and every sort of uh, district like people get it. It's uh, big, scary totems of these things. And I think what's particularly nice about that project is it uh, it gets people talking and it's this thing where it's like you realize that as in their form, these objects are actually kind of attracted, but then you're disgusted by the fact that you're actually like, you know, what can be done with them? Yeah, it's almost yeah. like if Hitler was sexy, not that he is, but you know what <laughs> no, I'm no, saying? No, I get like, the point you're yeah. making. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I, well, I also noted that you uh, had talked about how it's just the the sheer fact of like staring down the barrel of a gun in yeah, itself it's... is just so like intimidating, mm-hmm. and you're and then you're magnifying it on such a gigantic scale. It's like yeah, it's a really interesting idea. Thanks, man. I mean. Um, yeah, I, I always find the most interesting projects for me are uh, start as an experiment. Like, I, you know, going back to the highway thing, too, like, it, it, in shooting at the side of a plane, I had to teach myself techniques in order to make that work and be able to have high-resolution images that are in focus and super sharp and that could be blown up huge while everything's moving. So you've got to sort of figure out, like, the puzzle of, like, okay, how would I do this? And the same with this, like, in trying to make super high-resolution, in-focus, infinite depth-of-field images of handguns. Like, you sort of teach yourself a technique. And I think what the projects that generally excite me, it's, like, it's that it's that problem-solving initially and then applying that to a subject that is meaningful. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. It's, it's It starts off as just kind of an idea, but then it, de- it develops into something that's now, like, part of your brand. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's so it works so well because you've got such unique projects that like it's going to become your thing you know because it's so different people are going to remember you for that and associate you with those projects thanks man yeah uh hopefully 
Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just kept being blown away. Everything I checked out. And then the stories behind everything was always very interesting, too. Um, this next one I want to bring up because it ties into two things I wanted to talk to you about. So the first thing I'll bring up is just the project itself, which is the Unca- Uncanny Valley, which was so cool. I didn't fully understand what this was. Originally, I thought you were finding lookalike people and dressing them up and <laughs> taking their photos. But then I was like, no, this is too this looks too much like this celebrity. Um, so what it was was uh, you went and photographed people at the or not people rather, but the uh, the museum. Jesus Christ, I'm butchering this. <laughs> the wax museum figures at Madame Tussauds mm-hmm. and uh, with great cameras and HD quality and all that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, from what I gathered on the website, it's like the reason they look so shitty when you're in person, which I can kind of I agree. When I've seen the one in Niagara Falls, they they just kind of look like the people. But then you, you explain that that's because your brain has like this perception when you're interacting with a 3D element. Yeah. So you have more of an expectation, and I guess, of the different angles. and I... Well, yeah. That's what a, I gathered. A, I'm sure no, you can a, a, that's a very like, good uh, synopsis of the, of the theory. Um, but uh, I guess... Because in the end, the still photos you took, it's, it's like uncanny. They look so much like the person, the so, same... When, when you're standing in front of uh, a replicant <laughs> of, you know, Bruce Lee or whoever, or Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie, and it doesn't matter how uh, good that sculpture is, you, you automatically have an expectation that that thing's going to either blink and start breathing and start being alive mm-hmm. or not. You know, your body's just programmed to understand that if this thing, it, that it's, it's, you know, hand solo, it's frozen, it's not, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so no matter how good that replica is, because there is that level of interaction, then you, you don't buy it ever. It's just this disconnect. You're never going to buy yeah. it, you know. But when you remove that expectation and you bring it into 2D, all of a sudden, you know, the cheat or the con is that, okay, well, this thing is not going to, there's no expectation that a that a two dimensional image is going to move, so you're much more likely your to brain kind just of accepts it your brain just accepts that it's hmm. the real thing. Um, and that's the term uncanny valley. No, 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 no. no. That, that's sort of the, tr- the the trick used in order for to test the theory. The uncanny valley theory. Um, there's a Japanese robotics professor, uh, Masahiro Mori, I believe is his name, and I think he's still alive. Even though if he is, he's like 105. <laughs> um, and he coined the term unfe- uncanny valley uh, theory in the 1970s. And basically, what it posits is that um, if you're looking, it's in really layman's terms, it's that feeling when you're in the suit, when you're in the uh, department store. And you feel the presence of somebody sort of in your periphery and you're kind of just, you know, you're used to that as a person. Like I could feel your dad over there, even though I'm not looking right at him. And then you look over and it's a mannequin and you're kind of like grossed out. Oh, okay. That's the theory is that, is that we have a level of unease or disgust upon realizing that something that we thought was a person or a human isn't. Hmm. That's what the theory is, and and he has it. This all ties right. into AI and all that, of course. Exactly. Yeah. And so I wanted to test that theory, and I guess the failure of my project, which is ultimately a good thing, is that most people don't realize what they're looking at isn't the real thing mm-hmm. because the sculptures are so good, and because of that. Con there of the were image. a few, sure, um, that I I can't remember. Uh, Justin Bieber, I thought was like, no, this is still a wax statue. Absolutely. But some were friggin' insane. Of course, and and I guess the thing is too, it's like. 
how if you saw that removed from a web page explaining the fact that this is a you know photography project or whatever there definitely are some that there's you you sense that something's off but you catch I, it, yeah. I you know but like you said you're like is this uh I'll put up the Snoop Dogg one though cuz that's Yeah, there's that's a few that are nuts. great. There's a few that are great and but you know I guess my, my thing is like is this a lookalike? You know what I mean? But you're, you're, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I think most people's brain doesn't immediately go like, oh, this is a sculpture. Yeah, they don't just jump to this as an inanimate, like, wax person. No, no, I agree. I think people would think it was like a lookalike, which is what I thought. I thought you had found a guy that looked like Donald Trump and you just, like, did him in that <laughs> Trump style and then yeah. shot it from the right way or whatever. Um, but this is equally as cool, you know, <laughs> if not more so. And then what what happened with that project is I, I went to uh, to Las Vegas and I went to uh, Washington DC and I got permission to go and shoot in there and stuff and then I was like okay what's the thing to bring this to the masses or to test this theory beyond having it you know a show in a gallery somewhere like what do I do so um, a couple of years ago two or three years ago it was a relatively recent project um, th we, there's these six by four frames on the sides of convenience stores in Toronto that are usually, you know, populated by a lot of like 640 ad or something. Yeah. A lot yeah, of 649 yeah. ad or whatever. I and then, and there, there's, there's these glass frames that were exactly four by six, which is the aspect ratio of a normal. It's like a movie poster size kind of, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're empty because there was this weird ban that happened. And there's this window of time where uh, there's this ban that happened where those kinds of advertising, that kind of advertising was being, uh, no longer permitted in the city of Toronto. So these like yeah. perfect frames that were just sitting there. I was going to ask you about this. Cause I, I was going to say, did you have to rent these or what? No, they're just sitting there empty. So I took like, all you need is like a hex head screwdriver thing. And like, I just zipped them open and I printed the images to that exact scale yeah. and closed them back up. And then just like sat back and like watched. That's amazing. Watched people freak out because that's like a real artist move. <laughs> well, I just, it was, it was to test the theory. Like, you know, so you know, within hours, basically, because I think our brains are so so programmed to sort of scan the city for imagery and advertising, and, and, and like we, it's just the way we interact with the, an urban environment. And people started seeing that, and they're like, you know, be driving along, and you know, there goes Bruce Willis, and there's Mike Tyson, and eventually people are like, well, what the fuck is going on? Is yeah. this a movie that's coming out? There's no, there's no copy. <laughs> there's no words or text. That's it's just hilarious. the image. Yeah, no, I saw that. There was Zach Galifianakis. And, yeah. yeah, and so people obviously started, you know, because the world we live in, people started putting it up on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and then you know, sort of like all these like blogs and stuff started picking it up, and um, it actually, in a cool way, sort of brought this project in front of way more people than if it just appeared in a gallery somewhere or yeah something. that's really cool it's a, the vague nature that you chose to go about it kind of gets people <laughs> so curious you know i'm sure it had a reddit thread or something all that stuff yeah, yeah. amazing it's kind of a joke but i think it really worked you know I, and the, I guess the, the reason i brought that up is nobody realized what it was like nobody realized on all this crap i read in the, you know the comment sections nobody was like oh these are these are fakes. They're all like, "What's the movie is this? What's, is this an album that's coming out?" Yeah. People, people started stealing them. You know, people put graffiti on them. But no one was questioning the no. authenticity of the human being no. in the picture. That's nuts. But that's yeah, that proves that you you kind of were right. You know, or is that what you were expecting was going to happen? I thought people would figure it out. I thought that the Uncanny Valley would prove true, and people would be like, "Oh, 
wait a minute, what There's the fuck are we looking about at? This. Yeah. And, it, and it wasn't. It was what's going on. You know, it was people bought a hook, line, and sinker. I wonder if that's uh, like a scale thing. If you're walking from across the street, it's pretty far away. It's kind of far enough that you might not catch those smaller details, you know, that give it away if you're right up close. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, it's a shame it didn't last longer and, and the discussion couldn't continue. But, like, you know, within two weeks, they were all stolen, taken down. And My eventually they removed those uh, things from the buildings, I guess? Nobody, like, the... The people removed them. No, I mean the. Uh, you said they were like. Oh, those glass. Out. Yeah. There's a few sticking. There's a few that stuck around. A lot of them are gone now. Um, you can always throw one up for old times' sake. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about doing a big one somewhere, but anyway. Huh. Yeah. Well, another really interesting project that people will have to check out. I'll show a few, but please check out his website. And you must be on Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm surprised I don't already follow you on there. But. Yeah, yeah, by, by all means. Yeah. I'm what is there. it? Uh, might as well uh, say I that think now. it's just my full name, Peter Andrew Lustick, at Peter Andrew Lustick. Right on. Uh, okay, yeah. we'll check that shit out. Uh, follow this guy. Um, yeah, a couple other things we just quickly pass over, but I thought they related to this show that were on your page. So you did one thing about collectibles, which is obviously applicable here. <laughs> and uh, the other one was the Tokyo Smoke uh, campaign you did, which is also weed related. So kind of ties into this show. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, really nice work again. Uh, thank you. Um, the the amount of sort of money getting thrown around less so now but especially you know in the early part of the sort of legalization process um, by these companies was insane and as a photographer I got a very 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 small piece of that mm. but just the fact that they were commissioning people like myself to, to photograph you know bongs and pipes and Fucking yeah. rolling papers is cool to help them sell, I guess. I, but. Yeah, but like you know, I I wonder though, like who needs? Is there really a market for like a you know seven hundred dollar bong thing? Like pro a little bit, probably. Is that how much it costs? I, I don't know, but it's a lot. It's you a know? lot, yeah. and 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 Tokyo Smoke has definitely sort of gone after like a super high end demographic, mm -hmm. and they built like you know the 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 guy who designed and creative directed that shoot, uh, my friend Brian from Castor Design. I mean, he, I mean, he's been working with these brands uh, for like the last three or four years. You know, I'm assuming getting paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars to to design glassware for for you know marijuana use, uh, which is which is crazy. And and like, and the and the amount of money that they're sort of throwing around and throwing at the stuff. You know, again, commissioning, you know, one of the best designers in the country. You know. A, commissioning myself you know i'm not the best photographer in the country but it's also not cheap to do you know it's well no you may i understand the point you're making because uh to tie it into this show kind of one of the reasons this podcast started was because uh last year i guess a little more over a year now but about a year ago actually i was in the finals for this thing my dad had told me about this contest with a weed company uh called a lot out of toronto and they had a, a search to find uh canada's cannabis connoisseurs and it huh. was like a a position for a year, I think it was supposed to be, where uh, originally they said it was going to be five. I think they ended up hiring eight. But it was, uh, you know, a grand a month to sample strains and, like, write reviews. And they were looking for really interesting people that had different things they could offer. Like, they wanted one person that was uh, the medical user and one person who was the creative type. And anyways, I kind of just put my... my hat in the ring just because why not right mm -hmm. the dream job kind of nature well, you're, of that you're a professional weed tester yeah exactly and and it dawned on me at that time when i started thinking hey maybe i should put it in that all the stuff i had put up on youtube previously was all like weed related comedy or like 
I just had a lot of weed heavy material already. So it, I was like, all right, I might as well try and send this shit. And I just kept making it through and I ended up making it to the final 25 out of like 25,000 wow. applicants. Yeah. So it was amazing, but then extra crushing when I didn't get through to the, uh, but it set all this into motion and I was just kind of tying that in because they must've had some money to throw around if they're paying people to smoke. They had weed. so much money to throw around. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, I, I just got flown out to, uh, shoot, uh, the organogram facility in Moncton, New Brunswick, and haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I, I, organogram. They, I think the um, what's it's a it weed called? company, like they the grow huge weed operation, like style of like you know, like a, I think Canopy's another huge one. And um, speaking of which, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, and I mean, they, they their, their their facility was insane. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the actual brand of weed is that organogram grows edson edison does yeah, that yeah. mean anything to you yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was, that's who it was for it was for edison okay cool uh we've got some more rights though yeah yeah so i was i was shooting for them um yeah it, i mean it's, it's the fact that it's that's trickling down to me uh must mean that there you know there's so many people getting paid and getting hired to do stuff and um, and it's great. So that's, that's what that stuff was for. And I think that boom is, uh, it's not over, but it's hit a lull from what I've heard. I had a buddy who invested a bunch in weed stocks and right now he's in like a low spot. He should have sold a while ago and he's banking on, uh, when the beverages and stuff start coming out and the edibles hit in a more prominent way that the stocks will go back up. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, not to hurt anyone's feelings that might be listening to this, that's got like a bunch of money invested in weed. But like my, my question was always like, you know, there's, there's only so many people that smoke weed. Like the fact that it's legalized now, in my opinion, is fantastic. But it's not like there's all of a sudden going to be this like, explosion in consumption. You know what I think? Like, uh, yes and no, because there's definitely going to be people come out of the woodwork that were really paranoid about getting in trouble. A little bit. There, there's of some course. of that, and there's people who are going to smoke for the first time because That's what I was going to say there's always a new wave of buy the book people that were just like. You know, it's like this. It's like if they said on the highway, you know, guess what? The speed limit on the 401 is now 200 kilometers an hour. Yeah, there's going to be the few assholes that want to, like, test out their Ferrari. Autobahn, that but shit, yeah. most people are probably going to hover around that, like, 130, 120, maybe, you know, like... And they'll just be happy not to be as restricted. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, and I, and I, I kind of use the same analogy in thinking about the marijuana thing. It's like, where where is all this consumption going to come from? And, like, they're fucking growing it. Like, I went into that place uh, in Moncton... And like, you know, they're, they're making hundreds and hundreds of pounds of weed a day, if not thousands. I don't know what the actual number is, but like, it's a lot. Yeah. It, like what, who's going to smoke all this shit, you know? Yeah. Like, like if like a guy like you, like I'm assuming you're a regular smoker, like I, I vape you, more than I smoke. I try what are you to gonna smoke like, a, a couple grams a day, you know, about two grams a day. You know usually. what I'm saying? Yeah, like three. what's that? And like, what's that? 20, 20 bucks. You know, it's, it's not, it's not cocaine. It's not 200. No, bucks, no, exactly. You know? Yeah. It's, so it's like. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know where the fortune's going to come from to the, where it's all going to come back to these companies because it's like, you know, it's weed's kind of cheap. You know, it's it's not an expensive thing. It could be cheaper, man. If yes, <laughs> sure, it could be cheaper. But it's it's like I said, it's, it's not a hundred bucks a gram. No, no. Um, like the we were talking about this in the last episode, but the uh, I find the stuff at the stores when you actually go by, or I guess it's assuming it's the same on the uh, Ontario cannabis website or whatever. But I find it pretty. It's like high school prices at best. Cheaper. I think it's cheaper than high school. Like a good gram of weed in high school is fifteen bucks. I thought. If you want to get the good shit at the store, you're paying like almost that much. Thirteen oh, ninety nine for a but, gram. I mean, or, yeah. Consider this back in nineteen ninety six or whatever. You know. True. But, true. But fair enough. So, Minor inflation or whatever. Yeah. So it hasn't like gone up exponentially. I guess is what I'm saying. So I was always just curious. Like, okay, well, 
because these companies were you know bolstered by this speculation that there's going to be all this money fucking pouring in so now here we are it's been legal for what is it five years almost not actually no, it's no, not, not true T- fully legal for two oh, two a year think, and right? a half i think it was tw- october last year wasn't it 2017 or 2018? I thought it was 2017, but maybe no, it's, it's 2018. No, it was 2018 in like October. Oh, so it's I a year and a half. Something yeah. to do with the. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right, actually. I guess my point is, is that like, we it's been here for a while, and it's it's not like that. Like, there's like exponential growth in the marijuana market, you know, in in the consumption side. And so yeah, fine. Yeah, they, consumption side for sure. Yeah. So fine, they could put it in fucking pop and they could put it in popcorn and they can you know like you know you could put put it in gum unless they're gonna start putting the shit in like vending machines in schools or i don't know what like it's, it's, it's <laughs> i doubt it you, i you, hope you, not yeah, i hope not but you know yeah. what i mean like what are they gonna do like how are they gonna just, maybe in colleges I guess. how are they gonna convince people to smoke more to make their money back so i've heard theories that like oh well they're gonna start exporting it to fucking australia and germany markets where it's like soon to be legalized but they're not in the production side yet so, but maybe, even that'll eventually have a cap. In that's the way what I'm you, saying. Yeah, I get so, what you're saying. So I, I'm just, I, was, I, was, I just think, I, I think it's a bit of a bubble. Uh, I hope not, because like I said, I'm, I'm on the, on a very small way on the receiving end of some of that uh, money. It has to plateau eventually, like in a way that I think alcohol, it's plateaued. It, alcohol, I don't know, as far as I know, isn't on some continuous. That's what I'm saying. You know, There's yeah. only so many people that are going to be chronic alcohol users that are, you know, drinking a 26 year a day or a six pack a day. And there's only so many people that are going to be chronic marijuana smokers, you know, smoking three, four grams a day. It's, it's, it's there's just not all of a sudden going to be this explosion of people using it. It's true. Um, so, I, I think that, yeah, they, they've got some growth with like being able to change how they're distributing it, like through beverages or whatever, because there's still untapped customers there who are like, well, I never thought I could drink it. And then, you know, that gets them on board or whatever. But because uh, booze, you basically drink it. I also think it's not addictive enough, you know, like yeah. and, and, lifestyle can be addictive, but not but not physically. the same way booze is. Yeah. Not yeah. The same oh, way yeah. Cigarettes are. You know what I mean? Like. You're not going to go into like shaking withdrawal or whatever, like. Fair enough, and you're also not going to like take a sip of a you know a five dollar can of weed, and then all of a sudden be like, "Fuck, I got to drink twenty of these a day now." Yeah. Ever. It, weed just doesn't <laughs> work the same way. Getting super high is not the same as getting super drunk. No. You know? It just isn't. And there's not that like urge to. It's not. It's not a drug that's like more, 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 more. You no, know? not in a big way. And well, I get that urge, but it's generally more of like this side of it of just like, oh, I like the the you know the smoke coming in and out of my mouth. And same that, way smokers like just smoking. Well, I smoked cigarettes for nine years, so I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Is one of the reasons I was able to quit cigarettes was yeah. through joint smoking. So. Um, Which is probably healthier for you in the long run, anyway. Oh yeah, and I <laughs> and you know, and then the next switch was trying to to go vaping most of the time. Mm-hmm. But like you know. I, in a day where I'm I'm vaping most of the day, at the end of the day, sometimes I still just want to join. There's mm-hmm. just something that's the draw is a little thicker, and it just I find it gets you more fucked up. I find it gets me fucked up in a different way. Mm-hmm. I don't even like the term "fucked up" because I don't really ever feel fucked up from weed these days. Like, well, whatever, you get more of a sensation. Yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> a different vibe for sure. If yeah. you vape, it's like very uh, it can creep up on you. It's very clean mm-hmm. high, whereas like when you smoke a joint, you're kind of like. You got that haze. Well, part you know? of the reason I basically stopped smoking weed is because of vaping. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so I. Uh, what do you mean? Well, fuck, dude. I was I was like you. I'd smoke weed basically every day from like. Oh, I remember. Fourteen to twenty nine. <laughs> you know, like yeah. every fucking day. Uh, with, with you know, obviously, if I had the flu one day, maybe not. But like basically, you know, if I was in a, 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 a like a. 
a municipality or a, or a, a nationality where marijuana was available, I was smoking it, even if I was traveling, you know? So, like, I, with very few lulls, I, I, I smoked weed pretty chronically from, like, fucking 14 to 29. And then, um, you know, this is how kind of new this all is. Like, a vaping to me was th- those volcano things, which I'm sure yeah. still exist. I think that's but, where most of us started. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's kind of when I first... The big bag yeah, that fills up. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of ludicrous to think of now that that's what vaping was and there's probably somebody out there still doing it but you know it's you know what i remember i remember seeing that big bag and thinking that it like it wasn't nearly as cool as how it sounded i was like oh we're gonna vaporize like you know what i mean and then you're just like oh we're gonna fill this bag up vaporize sounds so sci-fi you know like sure it it looked pretty goofy (laughs) you know you got this like and then the, the crackle of like the shopping bag thing that when you're drawing from it it, yeah, it, it had a, a good taste. I always find it, it, did have, it was like a popcorn kind of taste. Yeah, yeah, it did have a good taste. Uh, anyway, so that's what I always thought of vaping. And then one day um, I woke up brutally hungover. This is, you know, in like 2012 or something. And uh, I went out to uh, my buddy's place. I was supposed to meet up with him. And uh, I went into a coffee shop and I like wolfed down a breakfast burrito and like dank, drank a drank a coffee like really fast. And I was already kind of hungover, and then I went over to his place and uh, went up to his apartment, and he had like kind of like one of the, one, like the first time I've ever seen one, like kind of one of those things. A little ri- oh, a vape, you mean? Like yeah, a like one of those oh, okay, things, okay. right? And it was, it was still a little bit bigger; it was like the size of like a cell phone. Yeah. And he's like, "Here, man, fuck, try this out, try this out." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And he's like, "Be careful, it's really strong." And it had this like like Geiger counter thing where it like went from green to red. And when it was like red, it was like time to smoke. And I was just like, kind of like smoking it and smoking it, sitting on a couch for like, you know, 20 minutes. And all of a sudden he's like, Oh fuck, you know, whatever it is. It's 11 o'clock. I gotta go. I gotta go. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't, don't kick me out of your place, man. I can't, I can't, I can't fucking. Oh, that sucks. So then, you know, he had some meaning that I guess he had forgotten about. And then like, here I am. um, So he gave you the boot, gave me the boot. And I'm like sitting on the side of the road, fucking delusional man Uh, like out of body experience like full panic attack like can't feel my face like sweating sounds like a sativa i don't i don't even know what that means really no no i'm serious i guess that's kind of modern all that terminology yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh sativa is generally like uh the more uppy sort of the more uh hallucinogenic one or uh no it's the one people associate with paranoia yeah, and and a lot of the reason that people quit when they get older, they're like, oh, I keep getting paranoid. This is full blown paranoia. This is like me thinking I was having a fucking aneurysm, and <laughs> I'm sitting there on the curb, uh, middle of the day, like you know, n- not good for uh, professional purposes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking sitting there, middle of the day, you know, it's like an autumn day, and along comes randomly my cousin, who at the time I guess was living in the neighborhood, and he was like. Hey Pete, what the fuck are you doing here? And I like, you know, look at it, up at him, and I'm like, you know, like I can see myself from inside out, or I don't even know. So crazy. I, and I had to like go lay on his floor for an hour, and then it, I don't know why, man. That was it. That was like the last straw. And like, you know, here and there, if I'm drunk now, like, you know, I try to do that as little as possible too. But I mean, I'll, I'll take a puff, and sometimes it feels good. What about fucking with CBD? Because uh, you can get flour where you can smoke, and we were talking about this uh, last episode too, where. It's like less than 1% THC. I've, I've tried that a little bit. Um, just You don't even really get high. Yeah, that's the thing, you know? So, like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's supposed to be good for inflammation and I'm uh, sure, yeah, anxiety. Yeah. And all I, I, stuff. I fed it to my friend who was sick with cancer and stuff because he oh, was sure. an older guy and never tried it. And I, and I heard people have great experiences with it, so I bought him yeah. a box of pills. But uh, Well, at the, at the very least, I think it's more that you won't 
have a bad experience with yeah. it. That's what's really appealing to people. It's like, I'll try it because at the very least it'll be like, eh, I didn't really feel anything. I don't need it, man. I like the, I actually like the part that really fucks me up. You know, I, I do like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I smoked weed. You know, I, I didn't like weak weed when I was smoking weed and, and you know, sometimes I'll take a puff here and there now and I actually come up with some really cool ideas. Not all of them are, you know, this, the drill, but not all of them are as cool when you look back on them when you're sober. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I have had some really sort of eureka moments, you know, even even post fucking traumatic panic attack, <laughs> you know, that that I've, something when, good when, came when out I've of dabbled it. with it a little bit and had some something good come out of it. Yeah. No, I get that. Uh, Uncanny Valley photo project was a product of that a little was bit. Was birth from a, yeah, from a joint from, from a joint session. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I was going to say, I get sometimes uh, if I'm drinking, I'll find texts to myself with like stupid joke ideas. And sometimes they're like, I can't even comprehend what the fuck. Because at the time you're like, oh yeah, these two words, that'll, that'll be enough to remember. No. Yeah. And the next day you're like, what? Lettuce shoes or some, yeah, some like yeah, weird yeah, yeah. thing that was supposed to make Goes sense. Goes nowhere. No, I'm like, what the fuck? Who is what, this guy? What's the comedy circuit like? Like, are you are you doing stand-up every week or every day? Or like- uh, pff, every week I was pretty much rocking from last March until about um, this past November. I did a brewery show where we, we did an all-musicians comedy thing. And since then, I went pretty hard just focusing on this podcast and Christmas time. And I just got a little bit... Uh, you know, put it on the back burner for a bit, but that's nothing new for me. It's just the first time since I started doing it more consistently that I've kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus. Cool. That's all I used to do back in the day was perform once every six months and then I'd get that itch again. But I was like afraid to commit and I still am, I guess, to some degree, but it's also just hard with three kids and all the other shit I usually have on the I have a real job and stuff. And Yeah, I mean, I work part-time hours or not even. I'm a, I'm on call. I work around Kelly's schedule generally and then we don't pay for daycare. I raise my son. You know, I'm a stay, cool. stay-at-home dad and a, yeah. a home homemaker to some degree. I, I fucking vacuum. I bake pies and shit. Cool. Yeah, from what I get from all my friends that have kids, they're like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, just completely naive to the like how much childcare costs people are like yeah my wife stopped working because she can work the whole year and that doesn't even cover yeah it's not childcare it for two, yeah. the two kids if we put them both in daycare it's like having a sixty thousand dollar year job it's exactly like, yeah it's and crazy we're, but we're just lucky in the sense that uh, kelly's a nurse so she has a very sporadic well not sporadic rather but um just a different schedule uh-huh. where she has big blocks of days off and then i can jump on shifts when they call me during those days and it works out yeah you know so uh yeah I don't remember where I was fucking going with this, though, at the beginning. Shit. Well, I was just asking about your stand-up. Oh, yeah, stand-up. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, no, I have a show on Tuesday, though. Yeah. It's uh, all dads doing dad jokes. So oh, cool. Trying out a Fuck, bunch of man. weird... I'm, I'm back in Toronto. I totally... I'll be there 100% as a, uh, as a non-dad. <laughs> hey, man, I think you still... Yeah, you still I, I laugh. I get the jokes, yeah. Um, shit. Okay, well, I, I want to get back to a couple more of your, uh, your projects here uh, that were just... Really interesting, man. Uh, the mugshot print campaign. This was like a little bit dark, but also mm-hmm. it was very necessary from what I could gather. But it was, uh, I don't know, I'll let you again kind of explain this one. But Well, one thing I should explain, and I was naive to this too, uh, before I sort of started to work in uh, in photography professionally. And I, I, I teach at uh, Sheridan College. I teach photography. And one of the things I explain to my students is I when I was – you know, in, in college or university, and I really wanted to get into uh, photography. I just always assumed that when you go and you're, uh, you know, driving and you see a billboard for, I don't know, some new Nike thing that came out, I just assumed that, like, it was on the photographer to dream up this campaign and then go photograph it and then, 
give it to Nike, and Nike's like, okay, cool, we're going to use it. Here's a hundred thousand dollars. See you later. Mm-hmm. Well, the the way that most photography works, like the like the campaign that you're describing, it, it comes from an adverta- advertising agency that functions as an intermediary between the client, which in this case was an umbrella, it was under the umbrella of United Way. And then they come up with the, so the advertising agency comes up with the concept, hires me as the vendor to go actually basically realize their idea. Hmm. And so the idea there was... So it's kind of like someone who writes a script, and but then the director is 100%. the one who... And, okay. and, and, and for the most part, almost all advertising campaigns that you see are like that. Okay. It's not necessarily, sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes it is the artist comes up with the concept and then it goes directly to the client. But I would argue that 99% of the time, the advertising agency comes up with the creative, the creative brief, and then they find an artist to realize that creative brief, be it an illustrator, a director, or a photographer, or whatever. So you think that's good or bad, though? Generally I, I speaking? I mean, it, it's just the way the world it's just works. The, the, yeah. the norm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and um, so what that was, was that there's a big problem, which is disgusting, but in, in Kenya and other parts of Africa, most... Uh, you know, pedophilia and um, and rape that goes on uh, happens within this sort of sphere of the family. So, you know, the uncle mm. is a predator on the, you know the niece, and then and or or the the grandfather is a predator on on the on the grand granddaughter Jesus. or whatever. And that's how it happens because it's obviously way more difficult and there's way more stigma to like bringing these people. Um, you know, to trial or to justice or whatever, you know, if it's if it's within the family. And furthermore, I think the laws were set up in a way where it was really difficult to do that. And there was actually a change in the uh, criminal code in Kenya that makes it easier to prosecute. Um, yeah, that's what the campaign was that's, basically. And that's what the campaign yeah. was about. So um, I guess you're going to be able to put this up. Yeah, I'll show at yeah, least one but, of them but, so people but, get but, an um, You know, it was an image of a family. Like yeah, a in family case for portrait. people who are just listening, you know. So, yeah, so the idea was that it was like a... Uh, a family portrait. So you picture like, you know, a mom, a father, a grandfather and a daughter, you know, standing for sort of family portrait style in front in, you know, in a in a village in Kenya, standing in front of a, a house. And the the father has, you know, superimposed like a mug shot over his face. And the tagline says, you know, a father who raped a child uh, will now face jail. And then the subtext says, you know, like, thanks to I think it was called uh 100 Girls Project, um, it's now easier to prosecute um, a rape that happens inside the Yeah, it's obviously a positive development, but the first line makes you just go like, why was that not already a thing? I know. Like, it's it's, re- it's really fucked up. And I mean, look, I get the, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky that I get to, again, because it, it's not my idea, I get really lucky that I actually hopefully get to work on campaigns that sometimes can make a change. And, they, course, they, yeah. and, they, and they use those... Those advertisements, and you know, they put them up in bus shelters and stuff in Kenya, and and uh, and hopefully made a small change. And so that that was a pretty so messed thing. up though, because if that's the poster that then makes that person decide, oh well, I'm not gonna, I guess I'm not gonna rape my niece. It's like that fucked up person's still out there who was going to before that. So it's it's still such a dark uh, thing to try to tackle. But uh, of course, but, and, but dude, any there's move so in the much right direction, fucked you know? up shit out there, man, and like. Yeah. You know, especially in lesser developed countries where it's easier it's, to get away it's crazy. with heinous yeah. shit like that. Absolutely. Um, Damn. The po- another big positive part of that campaign was that um, I got to go to Kenya. And even though it was for a pretty dark purpose, you know, I got to work, um, you know, in a completely different part of the world that I wouldn't have 
otherwise probably had the chance to see. Well, and in this case, see how the other half lives, sort of, right? There was a lot of that, too. Like, I got to, uh, you know, I wasn't just in the big cities, but I got to go and go into some of these villages and stuff like that and uh, and hang out and get drunk with these people and sort of see how they live and really get to know see them. The on, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's, it was, that's amazing. It was, it yeah, was pretty you, interesting. You sound like you've lived a very interesting life so far. I, you know, if you if you sum it up in the, this format, it sounds a lot cooler than I actually am. You know, most of the time. Still, when, when I'm saying Esquire, <laughs> I see you smile. I'm, and I'm, I'm, you should smile, man. That's the thing. I, I like to be able to be the guy to reiterate your achievements because if you don't already, or maybe you're sick of hearing them or you're used to it by no, now. No, no, no. Don't ever forget how special that is and how how good your shit is man thanks you know? I, no, I appreciate it man i do oh well it won't just be me anyone who watches this i'll put up your stuff and i'm sure they're all gonna go check it out in in depth like i did that's great um one thing i almost glossed over which i'm i'm so glad i'm not forgetting uh the uncanny uncanny valley stuff i was gonna segue into the other trump thing that i wanted to talk to you about which we can't forget which is uh you, you had bought an autograph of donald trump i'm assuming around the apprentice time right yeah, maybe it was it was it was right before I think he announced uh, announced his run was okay. when I bought but it. But he was still basically like a goofy. He wasn't president yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I fuck. I. I, I this kind is of, a crazy I, story. I, I, I saw you on the news and. Yeah, I kind of forget that happened, and even though it was I don't know twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. So what had happened was. Um, There's no way I'm not going to bring it up here, man. This thanks. Is... You know, so much. I think. Um, and I, mean, I don't want to like sound like I'm some like, uh, like I there's I, I I still feel like I have a lot 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 I feel like I'm just getting started um, even though I have had some success and I'm super fortunate about that but it's I don't want to sound like I'm like speaking from some pulpit where I'm like, you know, the world famous artist that knows how the world works and anything like that but I so, you try so, to stay grounded and start keep to stay grounded and start, yeah and, but but so much I think of what I do and this goes right back to that. Uh, Point Blank uh, project that I worked on with my buddy Derek is like, I just want to see stuff that I think I would appreciate if I saw in a, in a gallery wall or I saw in an apartment that I went to. And I had this idea um, that, you know, if, if I walked into a gallery, the National Gallery here in Ottawa, which I think is phenomenal, and I walked in there and there's all this beautiful art on the wall. And then in one room, there was, you know, like on a big white wall, I, there, was, there was Trump's signature in a frame. I feel that everybody would just look at that like it's the Mona Lisa and be like, ugh. Or not everybody. Sort of feeling not everybody, because some people love Trump, and that's fine. But uh, I don't. And I, most people that I surround myself with, you know, th- think that he's an awful person. And, <laughs> and, and, that, and that's that signature that's on, on so much of that le- legislation, like, you know, oh, yeah. to fucking, you know, lower taxes drone. for the richest people in America or to... Or drone strikes. Or drone on strikes leader. on yeah. a leader or whatever, All, you know, f- removing American troops from Syria or whatever it's other... It's a powerful signature. It's a powerful signature. Yeah. And it looks fucking crazy. Why? It's uh... It looks like an EKG scan. That's that's it, it, huh. I I mean check check it out. Yeah, I'll put it up. I don't remember it's it because I saw this it's, a while it's, ago. It's as insane as Donald Trump is, and that's and that's so so I had this moment of like, it would be fucking weird to walk in here and see his signature just on the gallery wall. I wonder what his signature looks like. Holy shit, his signature looks just as more insane than I could have imagined. And <laughs> now I want to see it again. <laughs> And so I, I literally, I put it in a frame and I, and I framed it the way that I kind of envisioned it, which is like the classic white shadow box frame, which is sort of, uh, 
Very minimalist. Part, yeah, part and parcel with like modern art. Like yeah. a lot of modern art's framed that way. And uh, and there was a show at the Only One Gallery that my uh, my friend my friend Kais runs, which is a really sort of good gallery in Toronto right now that like breaks a lot of new work. And and he was having this group show, and he said, "I really like you to contribute something to the show." And I said, "Okay, but it's a surprise. It's not a photograph. I'm going to contribute a sculpture." And he's like, "Yeah, man, love your work. Just whatever you want. Just come in and hang it up." That's awesome. So I brought brought it in there, and Free he's rain. like put it up on the wall it was kind of a mosaic of different pieces and he's like this is really cool this is not what i expected but awesome and he's like it's for the show though so how much do you want for this piece and i'm like fuck dude i want it it's not for sale well how much did you pay for the autograph like 200 bucks on ebay and when did you get that it was like, i don't know like before the election like or it was, i think it was right when the run started so like 2016 2015 but you got it when you had this idea for yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. um but i sold it in as, while he'd been president for like two or three years already. So, oh, okay, so, okay. so I, I had it like in the run up to the election, you know, and then, it, and then the actual election happened, Trump got elected. So it had even more sort of meaning. Then that's when I put it in the frame. Then my buddy was like, put it in the show. And I was like, how, he's like, how much do you want for it? And I was like, well, I, don't, I want it. I don't want to sell it. I don't want to yeah. give it away. I'm still kind of pissed that I don't have it. <laughs> and he, and he, so I came up with a number, which I thought nobody would be crazy enough to pay, which I think was like 4,800 US or something like that. And I showed up to the opening and it had a red dot next to it. It means something sold in a gallery. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Most and people I, would I be kind of happy. But I, whatever. Like, I, you know, of course, I, I, the joke worked. But I was just like, and I was like, man, are you serious? It's good exposure, too, because you got to go talk on the news and stuff about it, right? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of cool. So it's not bad for your brand is all I'm saying. No, 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 no. But you, you be, it's a flash in the pan, man. All this shit. Like, I'm telling you, like, I almost forgot about that. And it was only like two and a half or not even. Like, it was, it was like almost exactly two years ago. And it's like, yeah, of course. It was great. It's good for my brand. I got to go on the news. I got to get interviewed. And it was in the Globe and Mail. And it was on CTV and shit. But at the same time. You don't have your signature anymore. <laughs> I don't have that thing, man. Yeah, no, I get it. It, it holds more value to you than. And it was real. That's yeah. the fucking cool thing about it. Like you could literally see that, you know, and, it, and it's like, you know, the same sensation where you're like, you know, absolutely not what I'm saying is that Donald Trump's hand is the hand of God, but it sort of feels like this thing was like touched by that hand of you know, super powerful, evil wizard hand, like, Mm. touch this cue card and put the signature on here and like some sort of transference because yeah yeah, yeah i understand you know, it's like if you got to touch like i don't know leonardo, leonardo da vinci's pube and it's the real one here it is you get yeah to, and it's it's weird you're feeling like oh my god no i get it man yeah. dude i'm a big nerd so i've i've bought trading cards in the past where like nowadays the trading card sets they put like uh relic pieces or whatever where it's like a piece of material from somebody from the movie or whatever and you know what i'm saying so stuff it's, like it's that. that it's, it's that uh or autographs there's or a, I'm, I, it's embarrassing that i don't actually uh remember what the word is for it but it's the shit that like in medieval times they'd be like oh you know this is the feather of an angel or whatever and yeah it's like or it's, no they said the uh, fucking narwhal tusk was from a unicorn exactly yeah yeah so so it's got that sort of magic to mysticism it. sort of mysticism yeah. um anyway hmm. it was kind of a it was kind of a joke again that uh and someone uh, ended up buying someone, it but an iranian guy ended up buying it oh crazy taking it to iran and selling it at an art auction there for, I don't know, even, even more. more. Yeah. That's insane. Then you feel like you kind of got fucked over a bit. <laughs> ah, whatever. I mean, it's, it's... No, no. Finders keepers yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, I didn't know that part, but uh, even if you hadn't done that, 
it's not the worst move because Trump's signature may just keep going up in value depending on his popularity keeps rising. And he's also banking on you if you end up being, uh, you know, a superstar photographer and you keep on this rise that you're already clearly on. So from his standpoint, if you had the money, it's, it wasn't the worst decision. No, it was cool. I mean, it, it was, and it was a nice, it was an interesting uh transition from like okay well you know now i'm a dadist sculptor which also pissed people <laughs> off like crazy you know that i called it a sculpture and i was like yeah of course it's, i'm recontextualizing one object into something else and i'm you know and, and so that was kind it of it seems a, like a bit of a technicality bit of a, i guess a bit, of a but... bit of a troll i don't know I, li I like doing that stuff right now i'm working on a sculpture of uh, male enhancement over-the-counter male enhancement pills um so like Viagra or uh, Cialis or whatever. No, like dude. Like I don't. I guess you don't smoke anymore. But if you go into um, like a late, like in Europe they call them late night shops, but we call it convenience store here. But not like a branded one. If you go to like you know a mom and pop convenience store, like a Dippiner or whatever in like in a Dippiner. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it is in Quebec, but in 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 they're usually small and they seem like they're owned. And by they're like... completely independent. Yeah, Actually, yeah. the same ones that had those uh, frames on them that I filled with the Uncanny Valley images like those types of places okay. in toronto there's tons of them i'm sure i've seen them in downtown ottawa as well but just these independent convenience stores that are like you know open till late mm -hmm. um right where the guy stands where all like the like you know secret compartments where the, they hide the cigarettes are they'll have these pills that look like um it almost looks like kids toys and they're called like the most insane fucking names like alien power 3000 Really? Yeah, and it and and it's like. Are they real? Do they work or something? I haven't or tried. I haven't tried any, but it, apparently, yeah. <laughs> but apparently they kind of. Uh, I mean, apparently they they have, they're they're not they're gray market because they have a lot of them have tested positive for the active ingredient in like Sia, Alice, and Viagra, or both, or all three mixed with like oh, be very unsafe or probably. or you know whatever, fucking pills you know mixed in with all kinds of weird extracts and stuff like that yeah, yeah. and um and they're and they're the branding on them is insane like they're they're holograms there's ones with like three-dimensional like Glitter. glowing unicorns <laughs> and they're and they all they come in like almost like these like miniature gi joe packages and the, and the pills got this like thing you twist open really fucking weird they all say like made in america or made in canada and they're clearly not they're made in china so who buys that and puts it in their body is what i'm well wondering. once so i started going out and collecting them because okay. the, the the English on them is really insane too. It's you know it says stuff like rock hard power seven day maximum. It's like when they do bootleg DVD covers and shit. And they're yeah, all it's just the English on them is insane. Like starring Nicholas Rage or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like all types of typos, all kinds of like sort of bad grammar, and and they're really funny because it's you know they're talking about like rock hard erection last long days seven or it's, it's shit like that. And, um, <laughs> and, and they're all called like Black Panther, White Panther, Glowing White Panther, Alien Power. Like there's just... Well, that's a big thing with Asian because I was going to bring up as sort of a sidebar. Isn't it like a, a big Asian culture thing to eat like tiger penis and like uh, all these other things for virility? I actually just shot an interesting public service announcement campaign having to do with exactly that, that I can't too much, talk too much about. But yeah, okay, like it is a big thing and it's a big problem. Stuff? Yeah. They're like, they're like, you know, like melting endangered dolphins into like dick pills basically in Asia, which is horrible. And it was like a, a, same thing with shark fin soup and stuff like that. Yeah. Major sharks. And yeah, there's a lot of aphrodisiac based on endangered species. Rhinoceros horns. Rhinoceros horns. Pagolin scales. The keratin scales what is wrong with humans in that sense like that we just eviscerate species for for the stupidest reasons too man i don't know i was i was listening this is getting a sidebar but i was listening my i went and had a coffee this morning with my buddy and he's telling me about um 
Uh, you know Easter Island? Yeah. The one with the, the big with heads. The, the big heads. That's yeah, what yeah. it's famous for. Yeah. But apparently, not that long ago, uh, it was discovered by the Polynesians, and like you know, within the last thousand years, and it was like this absolute utopia Paradise of kinda. of. Um, of natural beauty. They had like thousands of different bird species, thousands of different, you know, aquatic species, dolphins, shellfish, and they found this place and they settled there. And because the resources were so abundant and it's not a big place, I think it's like six miles by four miles or something like that. Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty tiny yeah, it's island. It's small, yeah. Yeah. And the population ballooned in like, you know, a hundred years to like 20 or 30,000 and they just turned it into a desert erected these big stone ha heads. And by the time I think the Spanish found them, they were eating each other and the population had gone down to like a few hundred because they just exploited all the resources to nothing. Cut all the trees down. Cut all the trees down, yeah. They didn't so think it's about just a any micro, sort of long-term... You know, in my opinion, it's just, it's just such a Crazy. nice bow-tied sort of metaphor for what we're doing with the Earth as a Worst whole. Worst case scenario. Well, that too, yeah. Uh, I was going to say... I, I wasn't going to bring this up because I didn't think it would ever tie into anything we were talking about. But I was talking to someone today about one of my favorite animals that's purportedly extinct. But I don't know if you know the thylacine. No. It's also known as the Tasmanian tiger, although it's in no way related to felines. Okay. Um, it looks kind of more like a canine type thing. It's on all fours, a wolf type feature. I know what you're talking about. Gigantic mouth. Yep. And it's got tiger stripes near the back. Yep. It's actually a marsupial because it has a pouch and... Uh, very amazing animal, and we had footage of them up to, like, the 30s when the last one was in the zoo in black and white, no sound, but uh, just a fascinating animal, and we killed them. Yeah. Uh, originally, because I, I believe their span was from Guinea or New Guinea, whichever it is. Uh, I'm not super... Papua New Guinea? Uh, whichever one's near Australia uh -huh. and Tasmania. Yeah, so it, it spanned all three of those, and eventually, I think the last place it was Tasmania... Uh, that they said the last one was at the zoo there. But uh, when they first came, the explorers or, or everybody that moved down to that part of the world, um, they were eating all the cr uh, chickens and all their livestock and stuff. So they became known as like a pest mm -hmm. and they were being hunted also for their pelts and just the same kind of thing where no one stopped at a certain point and said like, whoa, 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 until there was like three left. And then they, they had only males or some shit like that and they couldn't. Yeah, it would be a fascinating series uh, for someone to do, and I, I'm really, I'm really fascinated with animals that are that have been instinct, extinct in like the, you know, the la in like modern history. You yeah, know, in to the be last, captured like, on film. Or yeah, like, yeah. Like, or, or not maybe even a little bit before that, but like call it like the dodo you know, since bird. the expansion of Europe to basically take over the world, whatever that was, like you know, call it in the last like 600 years or mm -hmm. 400 years. I'd, I'd love to see a sort of concise series about okay, here's the Yangtze River dolphin, here's the Tasmanian you know what tiger or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And also it'd be the good thylacine. To, you should get a thylacine pelt and hang it here next to a narwhal tusk. Yeah, and I'm sure they're cheap to come by. <laughs> But uh, I'll call my thylacine guy. But, but it would be a cool series, you know, like just to, you know to see like uh, like what what else? I mean, I know the dodo. The dodo. Pardon me. The passenger. Passenger pigeon. Yeah. Wasn't the American bison they killed like so many of them that they had piles of skulls and? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still around though, but the passenger but they, pigeon used to blacken the sky. That's right. When they took off. Yeah. You just pointed a shotgun up and like five of them would fall. Yeah. Right. And they're they're huge. They're extinct. Yeah. No, they're, they're, the population was in the billions. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Passenger pigeon. Damn. Like, and relatively recently. Like, they, they, they were, like, around until, like, the... Early, early 1900s. Yeah. Well, okay. So, to keep, carry on, if I will, or if I can, rather, um, with the thylacine thing that I find really interesting is there's a lot of people that still think they might be out there. Huh. Uh, like, big, the, Bigfoot a little bit. 
Kind of, yeah. Um, because I think there's areas that are pretty deep bush and stuff like that where they could. And, and there's if you go on YouTube, there's videos of supposed thylacines. And there are traits that, because they had a very long and very rigid like tail that was just straight like a stick. And it would kind of just move like that while they yeah. were running. And they're just a very distinct way of moving that some of the clips I've seen even, I've been like, damn, is that? But, um, you know, but then you're like, well, why are they always far away and grainy the same arguments you have for bigfoot, bigfoot yeah. but if there's not a lot of them and they're somewhat reclusive because they all got killed by humans then that would maybe explain it you know um but ted who's the guy ted turner or ted koppel it's one of those ted koppel was a reporter uh, ted turner ted turner's the guy who started cnn yeah it's probably him he had something in the 80s where he actually put like a million dollars on the line if anyone could find and capture one dead or alive and no wow. and nobody ever got it but to this day people still uh out there looking. Uh, I mean, hopefully they're still out there. But I mean, there's no, there's no. Um, we're not in short supply of animals that are about to go extinct. Yeah, exactly. It's extinct. More right. and more. It's I think I'm just drawn to that, like almost like the Bigfoot, that that mystery of, uh, you know, the magic of it a little bit. Like, I'll tell you what. When I was in Kenya on that project, that mugshot project we were talking about, um, I got to see a rhinoceros in its natural environment. Crazy. Uh, as an aside, they'd cut off its horn but in they did it especially so nobody will want to poach it which is super sad yeah so they uh preemptively cut off they made it unappealing unappealing to poachers but i was watching that thing move around man and just like it had this like weird like cushiony kind of paw like it's giant foot like i was and i was like i don't know it looks like it's from a different time yeah, you know, well, like, it kind of is. It, yeah, but you're looking at this yeah. thing, and it, it doesn't look like it's from our world. Anymore, Rhinos are right? fucking nuts. They look like they've got armor plating, which I guess they kind of yeah. do, but they look like little tanks or something like that. Very, a, very weird and cool, but definitely felt like you know. And they were explained to me. I, I, I'm so dumb. I don't know if it was a white rhino or a black rhino, but it was like one of like fucking 50 left in the world or something Good like Lord. that man and but i was watching so it and i'm like you know it's sad but like this thing almost doesn't belong in this world anymore there's no there's no room for these creatures we've just taken it all over and paved it over and uh, i know you mean sad. like it's it, they don't have enough time to adapt yeah these it, types of evolutionary adaptations you know millions take thousands of years, millions yeah. of years and and here we are just changing everything in like a century, in a century to the point yeah. where it's almost unrecognizable i know you know it's really easy to get depressed about the same thing with technology, just things, the, the speed at which everything seems to be going is just not slowing down. I just wish that like with this um, sort of poisoning we're doing with ourselves that's happened in the last 10 years where like every single person basically is addicted to social media. Um, yeah, I wish like, so okay, they figured that out, maybe partially by accident, but like give us something, you know, give us a, tr- like, give us a cure for cancer at least. Or like, you know what I mean? Like you <laughs> yeah, did that. You out, fucking yeah. po- you're poisoning the kids with social media and every kid wants to get plastic surgery now. Like we need a win. Yeah. Give us one. Yeah. I don't know. Like didn't they cure AIDS kind of on the or stop burning years? coal. Like actually figure out a way, you know, like I, I, you're smart enough to figure that out. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you watch those should be of paramount importance. Those types of issues should be all that every, anyone cares about, like stopping fucking up the world, finding a renewable source of energy, um, getting to a point where everyone on the planet is like in relatively the same shape. We all have like food and water and the ability to like prosper. To yeah. Some degree, unless, you know? unless there's somebody for sure. I know what you mean. Unless there's a reason why, uh, you know, there's conflict in a place and they're purposely starving a population. There is no more starvation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's not like, 
shit, we just don't have enough food. If there's a place in the world where it's not getting any food, it's because somebody else is trying to fuck them over by stopping the food from getting there. Yeah. It's true. We, we kind of did, I don't know if it's through GMO or through just like, just the cultivation, the technology and cultivation, but it's true. Like we, we, ha- we kind of can produce enough food that the people shouldn't be right? hungry. It, it yeah. seems like one of those problems we should have tackled a while ago, but it's, it's right. It's so much more um, layered than that. It's not just about the, the food. It's about getting it there and keeping it, keeping it. It's more about the places. Guys, guys, it's about making money. That's, well, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess I just, I hate that in, in 2020, we still have billionaires and then we have people that are like born into complete and absolute bullshit. Yeah, you know, I mean, without drifting just off into this, like, I know what you mean. I was just reading an article uh, right before I came over here about, like, the disparity in wealth in the States and stuff like that. And there's, like, this uh, organization that formed called, uh, like, Patriotic Millionaires or Compassionate Millionaires. And it's basically, like, a group of, like, a few thousand people making a million dollars a year or more who got together and said, okay, guys, you got to tax us more. Hmm. You know, like, they actually, the, the lady at the head of it was one of the descendants of Disney. And she's basically gave up her private jet and gave up her like, you know, castle in Ireland and said like, listen, there's people that work at Disney getting paid fifteen under fifteen dollars an hour, sleeping in their cars, yeah. and here we are, you know, flying around in private jets and just everything, yeah. everything, everything. And she and she actually felt so gross about it that she's trying to make a change. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously a topic we could. Yeah. Well, we're already about. way down tangent alley, but <laughs> that's fine. We've done lots of, uh, photography talk already too, which is, uh, you know, this is one of these things where uh, I was having a discussion with my friend the other day cause he had listened to some of my episodes and mm-hmm. he said sort of, uh, that he prefers when, when things kind of come back to the, the focus. And, and I think that's, I, I explained to him, I think that that's, uh, there's a point to that, but that's also an opinion thing. Like I listen to tons of podcasts that are all over the fucking place. Yeah, and, me too. And I enjoy that too. So it really depends what you're into, I guess. What, what was the first podcast that like really uh, got you hooked? Honest to God, man. And this is not, I'm not just saying this to sound like, like cheesy or whatever, but from the second we started, like I was hooked um, from the second we started designing this place and like working on. Wait, I'm, I'm saying which one inspired you. Oh, you mean ones that I listened to? Yeah, I thought yeah. you meant from doing these. No, no, sorry, that's, sorry. That's, a, that's almost a better question. But uh, um, Well, I'll finish that off. I guess that, yeah, just even when we were building this podcast studio, uh, it was something about putting the work in, first of all, yeah. and watching it slowly and, and being like, hey, it's just me. And Kelly helped out a lot, obviously. But um, there was a lot of nights where I came down here and just cracked a beer and just painted like a motherfucker. Yeah. And, you know, and it's and, fun, eh? Building an environment and like, yeah. And then being like, this is my little sanctuary now. Yeah. And then, you know, people come by and, and do these interviews and then they leave a little something on the mm-hmm. wall and a little snippet of everybody's energy kind of gets culminated into this like sphere of just, I hope, positive podcasting energy or whatever, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, as for podcasts that I got into, um, honestly, like I listen to Rogan a lot, but that was not the first, um, probably something by Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith. And eh? he was all this modcast stuff. He had a bunch of them, but, um, I was a big Kevin Smith. I am still a a big Kevin Smith fan. And then Rogan for sure. Pete Holmes, you uh, you made it weird. He's a comedian. I don't know if you're, I don't know Pete Holmes. No, no, no. Look him up, man. I'm telling you. Cool. So, So good. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's just been such a great experience, and I think podcasting has so much to offer to to anyone. I'm I'm hooked on it, man. I listen to podcasts when I'm in the car all all the time. But if you, you know? can uh, do your own too, I'm telling you, man. Like I know that's what Rogan tells everyone. Like uh, you know what the like I'm I'm I've got this thing where um in like 2010 I really wanted to do it. I had an idea, and I know a lot of weird people in Toronto that I you would have been with. ahead of the curve. I know, yeah. and I, and and so because I didn't do it, I'm so mad at myself that I just I'm just like fuck it. That's one thing that 
No, man. You know, <laughs> pick it up. No, because I was kind of the same way. I wanted to say that I, when I was listening to those Kevin Smith podcasts and stuff, I always thought, hey, like maybe I could do this. Yeah. But, uh, but it's a lot to, you know, to commit to and, and picking a room and, and designing stuff. It's also and, so nice just to have a conversation like this. You know what I that's mean? That's what like, I mean. Yeah. That's, I think, why I'm enjoying it so much is just uh, it, it. you put the fucking phone down. You mm-hmm. connect with somebody face to face. I love just learning stuff. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just been all win, winning all around, you know? And then me and my dad have talked about this before, but that's we're spending cool. time together. That's super cool, man. I mean, in watching my parents get older, I just think that's such a there's such a rad way to, you know, to do a project like that with the, with a parent. It's, it's fucking... Yeah, it kind of just happened, really. But Because uh, like, you were... My dad, uh, I'm looking at now, in case you're just listening, but uh, you were just kind of supposed to fill in or whatever. Like, I was supposed to be finding a guy... But then we did a couple, and then I think you enjoyed them, and and we just kind of kept going. And, yeah. And, and I've yeah, it's been really great. I, I think you're super interesting. I I love listening to all the conversations, and everybody brings like their own unique stuff, and yeah, it's it's and and most of them have been young people too, and I'm a bit blown away by just how much they have to offer. Yeah. Well, I That's try great. to find interesting guests. I mean. Um, I'm in no way an elitist either. I also think that it's it's great to have someone on who's maybe just starting out or, um, you know, because I can relate to that too. Look, we've got 70-something subscribers as of this episode. So yeah. um, I totally can relate to that. And it's just, yeah. And anyone who wants to come and hang out, just chill. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the, I, I listened to a recent podcast with Theo Vaughn. And oh, he's hilarious. He's great. Um, and, uh, and he just had his friend on who's like a plumber. Yeah, and it was like one of the most interesting ones that I've heard. And he had people call in and ask plumbing questions, and I actually <laughs> fucking learned so much. And I found it way more interesting than some, you know, when he has like some A list comedian on, yeah. even you know. And Those can be good too, yeah. but I get the point you're making. It's it's something you weren't expecting to nah, find. Yeah, and it was great. Like, yeah, was, yeah. Um, but let me finish telling you about the dick pills before I forget. Yes, please. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, now I feel like you've been holding that the whole time. No, no, no. I just want to like. Uh, Yes. That Let's thought. get back to the crazy. This Asian is kind. Of, I, I don't. I, who knows if this is gonna go anywhere? But I think like it was one of those. It's another one of those like things where it's kind of a eureka moment where I'm like, this is so weird. It's illegal. Um, it's kind of drugs, and <laughs> and and it's marketed in such a crazy way because it's so primal. It's like, how are we gonna get the attention of a drunk guy who's buying condoms or smokes at a late night convenience shop? Probably like half in the bag at three in the morning. So they've got these like radiating, pa- this radiating packaging, you know, it's and going to get your attention. No so I, I've amassed like, you know, 50 of them and I want to like, you know, tile them and, and display it as a sculpture. And again, in the same, that's why I started talking about it is because of the, the Donald Trump signature thing. And I'm, it's also a dadist sculpture in its most you know, in its essence, because I'm, I'm taking. So what does that mean? Sorry, I'm not familiar with the so term. D- there's a guy named Marcel Duchamp, uh, and this is in the early 1900s. He's a f- uh, an artist, and it was uh, at a time in France in the artist uh, in, in in art. It was it was called the salon era, and what that meant was that you'd go into a salon, and there'd be you know sort of like this, like a mosaic of different paintings displayed that were for sale, and and you'd go in there and buy them, and and they're you know like stuff you'd want to decorate your house with at the time. So like, you know, flowers and, you know, yeah. still lifes and paintings of, you know, nudes and whatever. Things, yeah. And he was, a, in my opinion, a genius. And what he did was he, he came in there and he took a, a urinal from a bathroom, 
turned it upside down, called it a fountain, and signed it, and said, "This is this is my sculpture." And everyone was like, "What the fuck? No, 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 no! This is insane. You can't. This is not a sculpture. This is this is a toilet." And I, he's, and he's like, "Why not? Like, this is this is a, this is a fountain now. It's turned upside down." And and I've repurposed. I've it. repurposed yeah. it, and that's sort of the, I guess, a very crude explanation of what dadist art is, is is that recontextualization is that basically anything can be art in the correct context uh, context and um it almost sounds like it sounds like when you tell that story like a guy who's just being a dick <laughs> kind of he's but, like oh yeah that's all right well so is this but, but, but because he sort of pioneered the idea I, I think you know personally i think he's a genius and, think outside the box is a yeah good, yeah and so um and there's the idea in art uh, in art history of the ready-made which is m- means exactly that like it's you know, it's already been hatched. So I, I you know, um, I go buy a Campbell's soup can and then I put it on a plinth in a gallery on a white plinth and, and now it's a sculpture, you know, and, and yeah. that's it's the idea of the ready-made. And that's sort of, you know, in sort of joking about the, the Trump signature, the, the dick pills, or not even really joking. I'm saying, well, here, here's the sculpture, here's the ready-made. When it says, you know, when you go into a gallery and it says, you know, materials, and, and if it's a sculpture, it'll say like acrylic paint, aluminum, uh, whatever plaster, or or if you see a photograph, it'll say like you know printed on uh, archival pigment paint. You know, so I'm gonna literally take all the fucked up crazy ingredients that are listed on the back of those pills, and there's gonna be like and they're gonna have to write it all out. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna write it all out, and I'm gonna say, okay, here's the here's the here, it's, you know they're all tiled in a frame, and it's gonna be like material. It's gonna say glass, wood, you know, foam core cardboard and then list all the crazy ingredients that are in there. like the longest list they probably ever longest list ever and then i'm gonna you know hang it up on a wall in a gallery and and probably piss some people off or whatever um but i I think i i i want to i'll show you before i leave today i was gonna say i really want to see these things (laughs) now it's hard to picture they're it's it's wild man and are they like really distinct like while they all carry these flashy uh motifs are they distinct yeah they all have their own personality and like (laughs) that's a good way to put it yeah it's they're cool and there's kind of the ones that are more targeted for like you know the businessman and then there's the ones that are more wild like the more like psychedelic ones and stuff trying to get a man of every sort of uh, walk of life yeah there's even one that's made for girls called lucky lady Oh, I can't wait to yeah, see these. So that's uh, that's something I'm kind of working on in the background a little bit. Um, I wanted to bring up one thing about photography. It was kind of my one photography comment that I wanted to discuss with you that wasn't directly related to your mm-hmm. work, which is that photography is very unique in the sense that it's art. It can be artistic to like a crazy degree, but it can also be extremely just practical. You know, you take a picture because you need a picture of something. And I don't know, like, I was trying to honestly think of other things that that can be applied the same way, you know? I guess you could say that about music, like making a stupid jingle for a commercial or whatever, but I don't know. Like, do you ever, like, okay, I guess I should rephrase that. Do you, so it's a question instead of just a random open comment, but do you ever find yourself, since you're obviously an artistic um, eye, do you find, like, you can ever shut that off if you just want to take a casual picture at a barbecue or something? Or are you always going to be like looking for the best lighting and you can't really i don't know i mean listen here's the thing um not to get overly annoying and academic but there is something in semiotics which is the study of signs which is called indexing and basically the the if you think about indexing it's literally that's why it's called your index finger because i'm saying that arcade machine or this microphone or that's your data an identifier so in indexing and so you know so you take that into Photography and photography is the process of indexing. This 
is that even though I take a photo of this phone, it's not this phone, but it's this phone. It's the same reason that you find it hard to rip up a picture of your mom. It's not your mom. It's a photograph but of your mom. But it feels wrong. But it feels wrong, <laughs> right? So the, the, the inherent practice of photography is you're, you are just indexing your environment or your surroundings. Yeah, cataloging life. And kind of, yeah. right to the right to the most practical thing, which is like every single item on Amazon that's ever been sold needs to have a photograph taken of it. It mm -hmm. needs to be indexed. And I mean, I take a pretty blue collar approach to photography and I always have. Like, I want to be a working photographer. I don't want to be uh, somebody who, um, you know, only uses it for my artistic endeavors. Like, I want to, I, you know, want to be able to, uh, you know, live a comfortable life from photography. And in that process, you know, I'm going to have to take photos for clients that serve a purpose that is not necessarily artistic. More and more so, I'm lucky enough that the projects that I am hired to shoot go beyond simply indexing a product. Things you believe in and, yeah. Or, or, or you know, interesting, creative, yeah, more cerebral stuff. But of course, um, you know, I, you know, in, in working, you, you know, you get hired... Uh, you know, to shoot products, and it and it really it's going to pay the bills. It's yeah. got to pay the bills, and yeah. it, it doesn't go beyond. They just want their lighter that they're selling on a white background, and they want it to look as good as possible, and not have too much glare, and look you know appealing, and that's it. You know, and 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 I've done work like that too, and so uh, you know, you kind of divorce. Sometimes you have to divorce the fact that you know I'm I'm a professional photographer, meaning I'm getting paid to use my camera. From I'm also, I think, you know, in interested in, in using uh, photography for my own um, artistic endeavors or whatever. So so you can sort of turn it off. It's not always nice to do that. And it starts sometimes very rarely, but sometimes you do get that sort of like, fuck, it's a job. Mm. Um, I think I, that happens with like every creative, well, creative things specifically. Like you can be uh, really in love with being an actor, but when it's the 20th take and you've been on set for 11 hours, I'm sure you're like, okay. Yeah. I'm over being an actor at this exact moment, you know. And I, tr I try my hardest uh, not to be a spoiled baby and, like, still tell myself, like, look, man, like, you know, 15, tw maybe not 15, but 20 years ago, if, you know, you wanted to, you wanted this so bad, you know, if I could tell you that you're going to get paid to use your camera in a profession, like, I'd be, I'd be so happy. It doesn't matter what I'm shooting. Mm -hmm. um, but slowly I do try to cut the fat and, and really um, embrace – working on stuff that actually excites me as much as possible. Like for years I supported myself by shooting weddings. At first I was like, even though it's not like I'm fascinated by weddings, but I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe that I'm the guy that gets to photograph one of the most important. Yeah, might people be, are trusting me. With people this. are trusting me yeah. to shoot them kissing, walking down the aisle at the, on one of the most important days of their life. Yeah, just like, momentous. I'm, I'm going to make this look amazing. And as it slowly seeps into being a job, I started to hate it because I'm not passionate about weddings. It's not, I'm not a guy that gets excited about the floral arrangement or what shoes she's, the bride's wearing or whatever, what top hat the guy's got on. Or, mm -hmm. And it's it slowly turned into this thing where I, I dreaded it. And I, and I eventually was lucky enough that I'm like, fuck it, I'm cutting it off. I'm not going to do this anymore because it's actually a pain in the ass and it's it's making me feel miserable. So I'm going to stop. And I think that sort of that's empowering. Yeah, but but I guess that's a really long answer to your question. But um, but yeah, sometimes you definitely have to divorce the fact that you know th this is not a this is not a creative thing right now. This is just 
Well, it's nice that you're able to um, keep moving to new projects, you know, like a lot of other art forms. I've thought about this before, too, because I've played music before. I've been in a couple mm-hmm. little bands, but uh, I don't know that if, if I was given the opportunity to be in a band and really commit that I would want to do it because I've thought about how, like, if you're a, a big, big, big band, you can put out new albums. You can keep trying to put new interject new material to keep it fresh for you, but you're still going to be playing fucking whatever the song insert song here you know your your greatest hits and like god when you've played it for the 40,000th time do you not know, just want to like smash your guitar I wonder about that a lot I don't you know. know um you know you're ACDC and you're playing thunderstruck that's exactly what i'm saying you know like, i mean what's that but maybe not, man. Maybe, know. you know, maybe, maybe when there's a million gajillion fans screaming I, in your face. I'm always weirded out by, um, you know, you take a band like the Rolling Stones and they've actually been pretty prolific about putting out new music. That's true. Not that we give a shit about it, <laughs> you know? And so you're out there and you're the songs that make the stadium ignite are songs that you wrote when you're in your late teens early 20s and yeah. here you are you know 40 years ago or whatever late 70s or yeah. whatever the hell they are now and yeah. and and you're st- and those are the songs that people want to hear so I, I don't know i don't know if it would be draining i don't know if i'd feel like you know you kind of like like some kind of like hired monkey that they cart out to like do a dance and then you know yeah. so I, I don't know i don't know i mean after it's just the numbers is what blows my mind because i go like oh yeah five times six times but when you're talking like the thousandth time or or god knows probably even more than that they played satisfaction or whatever you know how many times do you think they've honestly played that song it's it's crazy it's insane i I don't know i don't know but on the other hand maybe not man maybe like you know you got half a million screaming fans i don't know maybe and we're not them that's exactly kind of what it comes down to is like maybe when you find the thing that you really really is for you then then it that doesn't happen you know and it seems to be like that for you with photography and Mm -hmm. and being able to jump around between your different projects and yeah i i like it uh a lot man like i it's it's still uh it hasn't gotten old yet you know and uh i i still get you know, butterflies in my stomach when I get an email come in and like, hey, it's like a request a quote for like, you know, some client that I, you know, 10 years ago could have only dreamed about even knowing who I am or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still, still ha- you know, have that that on the commercial side. And then on the creative side, I still, um, you know, have those moments where I'm like, you know, like when I shot the Uncanny Valley thing where like, I'm like, I think this is going to work. I think this is going to look cool. And then, you know, we're in Madame Tussauds at like seven in the morning before they open and we take the first photo and it pops up in the screen and it's like even better than what I thought. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be. And, you know, and that's the best feeling. Yeah. Actual. That I could describe. It's just like, holy shit. I actually I actually thought of it and it worked, (laughs) you know. Yeah, man. It definitely worked. Yeah. Thanks. Um. I guess uh, we're getting there. I, I don't know that I have too many specific things. Well, actually, while we're on photography, one more thing I wanted to ask you is, do you do digital and old school? Like, do you do black or what's it called? Dark room Analog. Stuff? Um, well, I, I learned on analog. Uh, I learned on 35 millimeter, which uh, I, I kind of feel like, just like you, um, we're a part of this very strange group of people that there's actually a word for, which I can't remember. It's like... 79 to 84 or something where we literally had an upbringing that was completely free from are you talking about the um the years we were born yeah oh yeah i'm 85 but same difference same difference so we're like we're actually part of that generation that like had it both ways like we had um i know exactly what you're saying i've I've described this before as uh, there's a word for it though 
Oh, I, is I can't, Yeah, I can't remember what it is. But basically what it means is, like, we, we had, like, we had an upbringing that was, like, both no internet and internet. That's what I was going to say. I always say uh, we hit puberty at the same time that the internet did. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about, about that exact transition between uh, analog photography to digital photography. Hmm. Where, like, I was one of the kids that was still running around to um, one-hour photo labs as they were sort of closing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I watched that Keeping it old I watched that transition sort of unfold just as I was getting into photography. I used to work in a photo lab so I, I didn't I, know that. I, That's cool. Oh, I like Shoppers Drug Mart just for God. It's I a real it's, that's a real lab though, man. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's I had got to pour all the chemicals and, yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty cool other than the guy that ran the place was a fucking <laughs> good lord. One of the worst bosses I've ever had in my life. Just like a, a scum. What other shit jobs did you do? I worked at McDonald's. Uh, I, I generally liked most of my or found things. I worked at Rogers Video, and that's I, see, that's a cool one. Yeah, working in a movie store was pretty cool. We got free rentals, and I was a pretty bad employee. I because there was uh, you know uh, late charges and shit, right? But once you start working, did you there, work at the one at the plaza by the beer store? Yeah, that's like no longer there. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I don't really that's feel bad. That's the one that I grew up going this. to. Yeah, yeah, so you probably saw me there at some point, maybe. Probably. Um, I don't know if the times lined up, but. Yeah, it was, uh, we had late charges and stuff. And after working there for a bit, you realize that the whole late charge system was like, it didn't affect the actual budget. It wasn't actually in the budget. It was just something we were supposed to enforce, but you could just as easily like delete it. And and nobody cares. Or you might get bitched at or whatever, yeah. but there was a lot of times where we were allowed to delete it if it was to help sell a combo coupon book or whatever. So eventually I just started realizing I could like make deals with people. And like, I got a guy to buy me a case of beer once because he had like a $50 late charge. That's was pretty like, cool. Buy me a six pack or whatever it is for like, you know, 15 or whatever, yeah. and I'll get rid of your late charge. And Wow. Yeah, I was a little crafty little manipulator. <laughs> yeah, but that goes to the same point, man, is that, you know, you're at the tail end of anybody in the world who's ever going to have that experience. Yeah. You know, like... Renting movies, th- yeah. There was a There's a 30-year run of where, like, video rental, like, existed in time, and you were at the very tail end of that, right? Like, yeah. five years after you probably stopped working there, that store is out of business, doesn't exist anymore. Well, and I started cherishing that time period more and more uh, with the development of smartphones and just what's been happening. I feel like when I, I, I... Part of it's just childhood nostalgia, I bet, but something about the simplicity of things back then, it really does make you go... I, I would even rather go further. I'd like to, like, live in the 60s for a bit or the 70s where you have... Microwaves just came out or like yeah, whatever, you know, or color television or whatever. But you, you got the basic things you need still. If anything, not so many goddamn distractions. You but what, know? So what So what are we going to say now, like in 20 years? Like, oh, I remember that. That was the Facebook era. Oh, I remember that. That was that the MySpace sure. era. That was the Instagram era. That's what it's going to be. You, well, yeah. But do you think like, are you implying that social media is going to like die out? Well, it changed. Like, yeah, I mean, it'll I, change. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I got into social media. Uh, when it was MySpace, yeah, and it was huge, and that's how bands promoted. And, you know, <laughs> no, I, mean? I, had, I had one, but there yeah, was yeah. that like four-year window where yeah. it was the biggest thing in the world. It was, you know, at Tom time, was everybody's friend or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and then that literally disappeared and got eaten by Facebook, and yeah. now Facebook's for like our parents, pretty much. You know, and everybody hates Mark Zuckerberg now. And, and, like, but everyone's just like now Instagram, or, but now it's TikTok, and you know, like it's sort yeah. of it's, so it changes. My kids are obsessed with TikTok. So, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like your, your kids aren't going to probably grow up. You're, I would be surprised if your kids will even have Facebook. Well, TikTok's a perfect example because if we go back like 10 years or even less, it was Vine, which was the exact same thing pretty much from what I know of TikTok. They're just these short like one minute or less. I think exactly. Vines were like 12 seconds or something. Yes. I hope I'm living in a cabin in the woods uh, by the time that the the lifespan of social media causes the the 
collective psyche of the well, human social brain media. To fail. <laughs> What's going to happen first? All this, or just like the environment and the world falling apart? Which uh, already... I think we got like another hundred years on the environment. Who knows, man? Like, uh, I don't know. Every generation thinks the world is ending. Too, it's true. It's true. Right? But it does seem like there's a lot of weird nature shit happening, even in the last ten years. I don't know. In my opinion, but I'm also not like we a meteorologist. The, okay, so listen to this. We had the ice storm in what 1998. Yes, 97 or, or 98. Sure, yeah. right. Th- that felt like the world is ending. There hasn't been anything as bad since. Oh, I didn't mean here specifically. I meant like stuff you see around the world, like more wildfires than I remember hearing about when we were kids. And Ultimately, shit like that. I know it's true, but yeah. I, I, I do think that like, I think also every, just the same way every generation thinks the world is ending, every generation, I think, talks about how the weather is getting more and more weird. Like mm-hmm. my, my dad says he remembers, you know, the winters were like this when I, when we first moved here, which was like in the early 80s. Um I get the point you're saying. Though. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I, anyway. It might be subjective to a degree, like it happens to everyone sort of thing. Yeah. And and if we go through a really, really cold winter, which I kind of feel like we just did, like this is the first mild winter that I feel, this what? is a fucking horrible podcast, we're talking about the weather now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like losers. Um, shit, man. Uh, I was going to say, we never even mentioned this, but uh, you're like a super sport because yesterday the weather was complete balls for driving, so we postponed, we were supposed to record this, and this is actually our first Really late night podcast. Yeah, what time is it? We're at, uh, I was going to say, is that the fucking accurate time? Because that's insane. I'm supposed to go to the gym with Jeff Townsend at 9 in the morning. I'm... It's almost <laughs> it's almost 2 o'clock, so uh, yeah. Cool, man. Shit, okay, well, we got to ask you at least the superpower question. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched our episodes to the end. Tell but, me, tell me. Um, I don't think a lot of people do. I think that's because all the guests come in, and I'm expecting, like, who's going to have one already in the bank, and everyone gets caught No, this is going to be improv, for sure. Um, yeah, so if you could have any super ability, like a superhuman power, I'm not talking about, like, a character, uh-huh. but uh, what would it be and why? And flying is, like, vetoed, because it's just such an obvious... Like the obvious one? Yeah. I don't know. I would love to sure. be able, and I've always thought about this, and I swear to God, this is pure improv. I, I so if if you guys think this is a good one, no. Cool. First reaction is always the best. Yeah, way. no. I, yeah. I would love to like be able to switch, and I'm inside your flesh bot, and I'm seeing the world through your eyes, feeling it through, like, like you know. being John Malkovich. I guess so, but kind I, of. But like, I, like how different is it the way you smell stuff and taste stuff from me? Do you oh, know what I'm saying? Interesting. Like, I'd love to like, you know. So it's to, like psych or um, not psychic, but telepathic ability to sort a degree. of, but like yeah. to, to be able to like in to be able to uh, yeah. I guess it's like being John Malkovich, but more than that, like how you know how is the way that I experience spicy food versus the way your dad yeah. tastes. Like- so is this just something you're experiencing, or are you actually going into the person's body? I guess you're experiencing it f- all encompassing the way that they would. You know what I mean? Like okay. what's a hundred years? So it's not a possession thing. No, no okay. Because no, no, no. I was gonna say, what happens to your body when you're in their body? But I, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just like in like a meditative state or something. But uh, interesting. Yeah, but I, I would like to, I'd like to be able to like you know what what does it look like, you know what does the world look like somebody who's colorblind? You know, if everyone Actually, had that power, the world would be so much more peaceful. Probably you know a mean? lot more empathy. He gets a prize for innovation, man. That's the yeah. That's the best one anyone's come up. That sounds like you did plan it, but I, I believe <laughs> you that you didn't. Yeah, but I've like, actually thought about that, so it's it's nah, not. Like, yeah, there we you all go. see the same color blue when we look at this. this yeah, color, like, it's a, it's been a great podcast though. Either you. way, man, thank you so much for coming. Welcome back anytime. My uh, pleasure. Can I can I show off the gift? That yeah, I was gonna you? say if you have something for the wall, sometimes we do it after. But if you wanted to show okay, it off, so yeah, yeah, by this all might means. extend the, the podcast by a couple minutes. I hope that's cool. Yeah, that's totally cool. So I I brought a duffel bag of shit because. Me and my buddy, uh, Derek, what we've been working on, and this is kind of a joke, and I don't know what to do about this idea, but 
we're, we've kind of become obsessed with uh, like sort of mid-century or, you know, like nostalgic emblems that are like you, you sort of th that bring us back to our childhood, like the way that we remember sort of Canada being. So like we made these shirts that are like that are not real, but we made like an official like Foodland Ontario, uh, like an official Foodland Ontario shirt and they're imagined and we like imagine the roles for these. So this is the one that like the guy at the food stall wears that like hands out the, uh, you know, the strawberries or whatever. And then there's like, you know, there's, a, I'll just show a couple of these. Yeah, but, like, for sure. That's hilarious. This is like the, this is like the official, uh, on like a national park of Canada gate beaver, greeter right? shirt. So this is like the old logo of the, uh, of, you know, part of parks oh, Canada. Yeah. So this is like the one that like, of course this is not true, but this is the one that the gate greeter would wear in like 1977 or something like that. Cause the logos are just so, so awesome. So it's awesome. So, so I, I thought maybe I'd like, this is a big old Ontario logo. I thought I'd give you the sweatshirt. That's awesome, man. Thank you yeah, so much. For sure, man. I'll rep Ontario for sure. Cause, Yours uh, to discover. Yeah, man. I don't know. I just like. This I'm so comfy too. I'm so stoked about you know the way those. You know the way that those logos look. Oh, you got it on your hat too. Yeah, I got. What one is on my that hat. symbol called again? Is the trillion? It's a trillion. Yeah. Trillion. And and you know, not to go on another big tangent, but um, this one in particular is the logo of Ontario, and I find Ontario is a weird place because we have so little provincial pride compared to basically any other province you can think of. <laughs> We're the only province where our hockey teams don't wear the flag of our province on their shoulder. Like really? You, yeah. You look at the Canucks, they got it. You look at Alberta, they got the Alberta flag. What do we have? We got nothing. And um, I thought they had like a little leaf. Like I thought the Leafs had a smaller leaf and the Sens had like a, some other symbol. But we don't have it. our province flag, which is too uh, bad because I don't know. I, I just think, I think, you know, Ontario is such a... Yeah, obviously, it's like the most populated province. It's it's got Toronto, it's got Ottawa, it's got. It's I think got that's the problem right there. I think it has Toronto and Ottawa like butting heads. Maybe, but I mean, I, I just think, um, you know, some of the stuff we've come up with is really fucking cool, including this logo that they butchered in the early two thousands. They went, people call it the uh, three guys in a hot tub logo. You'll see it now. <laughs> I'll find when, it and yeah. put it up. And they've kind of gone back to this logo now under Doug Ford, but they butchered it. They like they've made it a little bit different. But anyways, I always thought that this was really pretty. It comes from the sort of uh, um, tradition. Yeah, what's the meaning? Yeah, that's what I've never. The, the meaning of this is the trillium, which is the, the which is the uh, provincial flower or whatever. But uh, there's okay, this okay. sort of um, tradition of really good Canadian design that kind of emerged around the time of like you know Expo '67, and that's around the time that the the flag got turned from. The you know, Union the old Jack and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah to, to like the to, to, to the maple leaf, which we all know and love. And so, anyways, I think Canada's always had like a really, really cool design aesthetic, especially in like the latter half of the last century. And uh, um, I don't know. And a lot of those logos got changed because people always like, oh, we got to come up with a new one, the better one. But those ones, I think, are super nostalgic and cool. So I, I kind of made no, like no, I really appreciate it. A Looks bunch awesome. of fake uniforms <laughs> with provincial logos and stuff on them. So it's funny that you're making fake product. It made me think of uh, I've been following these guys on Instagram, and they do uh, like fake action figures for like characters for movies that never got action figures and they're usually like really silly like people who are in like one scene i love that and shit. uh yeah just yeah. silly or like uh what's a good example um have you ever seen idle hands 
The, the guy's hand gets possessed. Anyways, no, he, eventually uh, he cuts off his hand and it runs around. So they made an action figure for just the hand. Mm-hmm. It, and it's kind of comedic just because it's usually like overpackaged for some really small, tiny little thing, you know? Cool. I love that stuff, man. Like that. Oh, like, yeah. It's almost like, um, well, that's obviously like kind of like fan art or three dimensional fan art or something like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is like some like. Uh, you know, provincial or municipal uh, fake fan art. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. Or fan swag, rather. Um, yeah, I dig this, man. That's sweet. Yeah. Boom. Looks comfy, looks warm, looks sweet. So there you go, dude. Yo, thanks again, man. And uh, I'll play you on the arcade, but that's pretty much it. Cool. And uh, high fives. All right, man. Thanks oh, a lot. Peace. That was great. Oh, subscribe.